G'day everybody, you're listening to another Step Outside podcast. Hope you're keeping well. My name is Paul Burt, thank you for your time. Today I'm going to be talking to a well-known skipper, his name is Gavin Woodbury, who owns and operates a family-run business out of the Gold Coast called Sea Probe Charters. Now these guys have been in business for a long time, but I thought I'd find it interesting to get it from a skipper's point of view as to what to do when you're out on a charter boat. How do you overcome seasickness for the punters? What sort of rigs should you use? Baits, electronics. If we can get it from the guy who's one of the best in the business, then it might be able to pass some information to you guys who are listening of maybe to set up your rigs, maybe your boat, and what to do when you get into that situation where you see a bait ball on the bottom and what to do, how to target specific species. Let's bring him on board now. Good morning to you, Gav. Morning, Paul. How are we, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for your time today, buddy. Greatly appreciated. No dramas at all. No dramas. Good to be here. Well, I don't think there's much you can do uh, when it's horizontal rain, 30-knot winds. Is that about right? That's about right. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's been a it's been a very um, hard time to fish the Easter period. Normally, Easter's well, 10, 15 years ago. It was always you know, horizontal rain. It was windy. It was torrential. And then five years ago, they became good for some reason. And, and obviously, we've just slipped back into that old pattern. But um, mate, it it must bring out some some good fishing and all that. But before we get into that, I want to know what's it like life as a charter boat operator, not just an operator, but also the skipper and the owner. There's a lot sitting on your shoulders. What's it like, mate? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's good. It's up and down, you know, like the weather, obviously, you know, it gets a bit frustrating, but, you know, you can't do much about that. So, you know, whenever you've got days off, you're, you're down tinkering on the boat, just make sure it's always ready to go because you never know what the weather's going to do. And, um, yeah, but uh, it's, it's always good. You meet heaps of, you know, new people and, you know, seeing people catch good fish that's what it's all about for us you know but we've been doing it for a long time so you know meeting a lot of a lot of new people but a lot of regular customers always come back so that's a good thing but you know you're doing something right when you get the return customer particularly locals because local people can be a fastidious bunch can't they particularly in the angling fraternity yeah that's right you know they're, they're after good fish you know so you know they're not out there just to sort of catch little fish even though you can't always you know get the big ones but you know, they're, they're coming out for a good reason, you know, always trying, always moving around, trying to find new spots, you know, new new sort of techniques of fishing as well. Yeah, yeah, and it is, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you've, you've been in the business for, for over 20 years now, uh, family-owned, operated uh, fishing charter business, that, you know, you've seen technology come on board. You've seen it change uh, when it comes to the old Pat Nossa rig to people now wanting to jig, obviously, soft plastics, micro jig, et cetera. Have you seen the the catches increase, or do you do you think it's just a different technique that people want to get involved in? Um, I think it's just a different uh, different technique involved. You know, you're still catching a lot of fish as we used to, um, and just you know, but different days, you know, different weather patterns, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, comes into play. You know, sometimes they might not take a bait, but then you put a jig down, then they'll just crawl over it. You know, and um, you just got to just keep trying different stuff to the fish you know, till you find them and see what they're actually, you know, biting on. Have you noticed that if something is new to the market, that fish jump all over that and then after a, maybe a, a few weeks or months, they get a bit shy? If you, particularly if you're letting that fish go, if you're out there, say, catching snapper or, or kingies or whatever, and, and you know, you, the customer goes, oh, I don't want to keep that, I'm going to let it go. Do, do you see the fish shy away from that new technique or that new technology of a different coloured lure, different shaped lure, or do they just continue to climb over it, you know, until the school's gone? 
Yeah, it's, it just depends, you know. Like, you know, sometimes it's hard to say. But, you know, yeah, it's just it, it changes so much out there, mm. you know. So one thing could be working one day, then the next day, you know, completely, you know, completely different, you know. So, but, um, yeah, you just, oh, I don't know. That's a hard one, you know. But yeah. it's always good to try new things, that's for sure. Mate, C-Probe, your boat, she's a 36-foot black watch um, powered by two turbocharged Yanmars. The Yanmars are an amazing engine. I mean, how, how do you go with the Yanmars? And, I mean, they're great on fuel. Yeah, they're, they're definitely sort of like a smaller compact motor as well. So it gets in there, you know, so not as taking much engine room as thingo, as um, like your Cummins and stuff like that. But yep. we've had a really good run out of them, you know. So, you know, just your simple oil changes, fuel filter changes. And, you know, we're up to 17,000 hours without, wow. you know, touching them. You know, you couple of minor little bits and pieces, what you do, but, yep. you know, your raw water pumps and, you know, your impellers and stuff like that get changed, obviously, as well. But yep. just a simple, you know, you know, routine, and yep. they've been going great guns. General maintenance. Mate, what about the Black Watch? Because, um, you know, I've been on it several times with you, and, mate, one thing I noticed, she handles the sea remarkably well. She's 36 feet long, flybridge cruiser. So, you know, you can carve through the ocean. You don't go out if it's rough anyway. You go out when it's moderate and or calm. And, of course, you know, as long as if you're comfortable, you know the guests are going to be comfortable, and that's a good thing. Um, you're not scared of cancellations. You know, you, you put yourself in your client's shoes, and, yeah, which is what right. I admire because, you know, you're sitting back and you're thinking, well, hang on, if I'm going to get tossed out of the flybridge, then the guys downstairs aren't going to be enjoying it too much. So, But the boat handles the weather so well. It's such an experience. Yeah, yeah. No, the Blackwatch is a good, you know, mono hole, and it just, just like you're saying, it, it carves up the ocean really good. Get a bit of chop, you know, you can just keep a steady pace on and just plough through it, you know, and, and get to the fishing destinations quite good and comfortable, you know. Everyone's sitting downstairs and just in the couches and stuff, so it just makes it more comfortable for everybody else as well, you know. Mate, one thing we have seen at the beginning of this year, we always see our Black Marlin uh, season come through around Spot X, which is um, – I don't even know what on the what's on the bottom at Spot X. I mean, is there anything on the bottom at Spot X? What brings the Marlin? I know I'm not talking for people listening – we're not talking, you know, five or ten fish. We're talking boats catching five or ten fish every day and there's a hundred boats out there. Mate, we're talking a lot of fish. What brings them to that area? Yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit of a reefy area, but it's nothing like the pinnacles or anything. There's nothing special about there. No. It's just... Uh, it's just wherever the bait sort of comes in and you got the spot X, then you've got the 42 fathom. So the, the spot X is sort of like around the 50 fathom line yeah. and the 42 fathom line is um, the 42s. And sometimes it just depends on which, which line that bait comes on and what the bait are actually feeding on as well. You know? So, you know, like the last few years, it's all been at spot X, but the few years before that was all along the 42s. And you wouldn't even catch a fish at spot X. Yeah. It's, it just, it changes so much. Yeah, wherever the bait seems to be born. And that's, and that's testament to just about every, any kind of fishing you're doing. If you want to target, target snapper or mulloway or kingies, you look for the bait. Is that something you, you obviously do? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just wherever the bait is, you know, the, normally the predators are, are hanging around and, um, yeah, just keep working the bait balls and, you know, you're trying your different spots and stuff. Marlin, you know, you, you'll see him marking up on the edge of the bait balls, you know, and sometimes, like, you know, this time... Uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago, you know, I was marking five fish just from running over the base. Wow. And before you drop your baits down, you, you know, you're marking five fish on the base. You know, it's incredible. Mate, um, 
What, what sort of technique are you running when it comes to rigging for the for the black marlin and and obviously live bait? You're catching a livey. What's the next process you do personally? Uh, uh, pretty much, we just uh, sometimes we bridle them up and just uh, have a obviously just a single hook and um, with us you know when we run normally about three rods, so we have one with no sinker, one with a you know a little bit you know like a you know a four ball sort of thing yep. on the next rod and reel then maybe an eight ounce or 10 ounce just to get the bait down deeper so we have three different depths so we sort of find out where they're sitting normally you can mark them on the sounder but you know we normally set the three rods just so we've got all all the water columns sort of covered and just you know bridle them up then just feed the livey out and you know and you sort of let it out 40 meters you know one about 30 meters then the other one about 60 meters what do you stagger it to cover more ground just to just to um fish the whole water column so you know like because sometimes you mark them down 60 or 70 meters so you want to get one straight down there then you might get one sort of hanging halfway or then some you know when the tide gets closer to the top of the tide or the bottom of the tide they all come up to the surface to feed so we'll always have one on the surface as well and you've got dolphin fish and tuna and stuff like that cobia you know also you've got everything covered Mate, when it comes to, to landing a marlin, um, before we get to that stage, though, you've got to hook him. What sort of hooks are you running for your marlin, and, and how do you handle them when they get back to the boat? Uh, we just use a BKK circle hook, a 9-0, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, sometimes an 8-0, just depends. But, yeah, but, you know, as soon as you hook it up, obviously keeping tension on the on the fishes, you know, because they're jumping out of the water, they're coming towards you, you know, they're acrobatic kind of fish. So you're always trying to keep the tension on there. I'm upstairs always driving forward, you know, if I see a bit of slack line from the customer, just to try to keep tension and help them out. Then, you know, once we get a bit more tension on the line, we'll reverse up. And then once we get it close to the boat, you know, we um, the decky does his job, get on the leader and just try to guide him in. But, you know, you have to be careful because they are a dangerous fish and, you know, you know, you bring them on board, get a photo, you know, you can send them back. But they also, you know, you can eat them as well. There's nothing wrong with taking one or two. We did that a uh, couple of weeks ago on, on Step Outside Show where we actually, we caught a couple of fish there. My young fellow, Kalen, caught a couple of fish and we, we brought uh, we brought one home and we, we carved it up, filled it up. And we showcased on the TV as to how to do it. Um, you know, we've got some great reviews and uh, some not so. But you know what? Don't get don't don't get stuck in the old times because they are a fantastic fish. And if you do, unfortunately, gut hook one and it's bleeding from the gills, why are you going to throw a thirty to fifty kilo fish overboard and get eaten by the sharks when you know it's going to die? Why not bring it home and carve it up because they they are fantastic to eat. Yeah, they're they're, they're awesome to eat. You know, I get a lot of my customers. Not many of them come back and say, "Oh, that was terrible." No, you know, nine times out of ten, or even ten out of ten. They're, they're loving it, you know. So, you know, we'll take one or two for a feed and, you know, we're splitting all the fish up. So we split it all up into, you know, so everyone gets a nice big slab each, eat yep. it fresh. Yep. You know, you can do it all different styles as well. Ceviche, you can have a sashimi, you can deep fry it, you know. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, you know, and a lot of people love it, you know. Mm. Mate, they do, and that's the thing. It's it's a, it's a beautiful eating fish, and if you cry back it, I've got some little chunks there that it, uh, we use for for kebabs to put on the barbecue, and it's a a fantastic tasting fish that you can do a lot of different things with. So, uh, and and the beauty is when you do go fishing, you find all the mates in the world that you never knew you had, right? 
And then, yeah, you know, right. this is one of those fish that you don't mind handing out because you've got so much of it. You can, you can feed 100 people easily off, off one decent-sized marlin. You know, I'm not talking three or 400 pound. I'm talking around that 100 pound. So if you do get that good-sized fish there, Gav, it's, uh, mate, why not, why not bring it home? Mate, we're seeing a lot of rain around the East Coast at the moment. You know, Sydney's been uh, hit hard over the over that uh, March period and April, southeast Queensland as well with that uh, East Coast low that pushed through. Mate, what sort of fish come out after a freshwater flush? What are we expecting over the coming weeks after a good deluge and the creeks and yep. rivers are pouring out freshwater? Yeah, when the you know the rivers are pouring out the freshwater, all the runoff, you know, all the baits getting washed out. You know, a lot of fish are getting washed out from you know the entrances of uh, the bars. So you know, a lot of bait getting pushed out. So you know, you try some wrecks in close. Um, you know, like a lot of big jewfish hang around, obviously, you know, because they're feeding on all the bait and you know coming out. You know, and they normally generally school up, especially around the full moon. You know, especially when you had a big runoff like a couple of weeks ago, we had a big runoff, and um, yeah, there was some good school you know, big jewies hanging around, you know, and they you know, just got flushed out and schooled up around the moon and we did quite all right on them. Mate, when you're targeting jewfish, obviously you've got to find the, the local reef or the local wrecks or anything like that. What sort of electronics are you running to locate uh, to locate the, the bottom structure? Because it's got to be pretty good, I'd imagine, to go from, you know, 50 or 100 fathoms of water and then come in and fish, you know, 12 or 18 fathoms of water. You've got to have that that depth covered, but you've got to have that one piece of machinery that's pretty good. What are you running? Oh, I run a Furuno 1100. Um, I've always just had Furunos in my boat. Um, I've just always sort of just had them. You know, they've always been around, so they've always been reliable for me. You know, never break down and stuff, so that's a good one. But there's plenty of, you know, on the market these days, like Garmin is really good, you know, but I just use the Furuno and, um, you know, it can go from, a thousand meters to, you know, twenty meters. So you know, and you're getting the same, the, the the you know the depth and and getting the same reading, you know, as you do it in a thousand meters of water. Mate, when you're targeting your fish, such as jewies, we get it back onto that one. Is the rig that you use? Are you using fresh fish flesh? Are you taking out squid that's frozen? Are you catching the bait in the area? Are you looking for bait balls? Run through your yeah. procedure. Yeah, well, sort of we normally, you know, just in case there's no bait around the spot, we, you know, we'll stop and try to get a few baits just before we get there to the actual, you know, fishing grounds. Normally live slimies, live yakkers, um, that's what I normally use. But we also take, you know, mullet flesh, squid, pillies, you know, so got everything covered, but normally live bait is the go, you know. And then when we get to the wreck or, you know, your, your little pinnacles on the 18s, 24s. You know, we, we also jig bait while we're fishing there as well and just sort of waiting for the bite. But it was a pretty red-hot bite there the other day, and you know, as soon as you put a bait down, you're on. So and then there was plenty of bait there as well, getting a few slimies, a few yakkers. So, yeah. And we was topping up the baits as we go through. It's, it's a good way to do it. Basically, it's um, analogy would be going to a supermarket and you're doing your grocery shopping at your local shops. Uh, you know, it's a fish going to their local supermarket and getting a feed of fish. So you, you, why, why would you change the, the, the method of different baits if you're fishing in an area, what they're feeding yeah, on? Yeah, that's right. And we just use a like a Snell rig. Um, you know, Snell rig and, you know, the ball sinkers, egg sinkers, but just sort of you, you, we swap to what the the current obviously is. You know, we can use a bigger ball or a smaller ball. It just depends on what the tide's doing at the time. Mate, snapper is a, a fish that a lot of people love to target. Um, run through the snapper fishery. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a 
monthly or it's seasonal, obviously they love that cooler water, but the fish are always there. It's just a matter of whether they're schooling up in larger numbers or not. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, we're normally around Easter and we've had a pretty good, like before this weather come in, we're getting a lot of nice snapper. Normally sometimes every Easter you get a couple, you know, a few weeks of them schooling up, the nice size snapper. Um, like last year there wasn't many at all, but th- this year, just before we had this uh, this weather, it was really going off, you know. So, you know, this time of year, then you've also, then you come into once it gets cool, like you said, and, you know, they'll last two or three months. You know, so, and, you know, 36s, 50s, uh, the 24 fathoms, you know, all that sort of stuff. 24 fathoms is more for, you know, your bigger fish. You know, that's where you'll pick up that big trophy fish, you know, where on the 50 fathoms and 36s, you're getting a lot of good size ones, you know, getting a lot of consistent instead of just picking off ones and twos, you know, we're getting seven or eight a drop, you know, when we've got all our customers on, you know, so it doesn't take long to bag out. No, it, it definitely doesn't. It definitely does And they're a great eating fish as well. Rig-wise, are you float lining or, or Pat Nossa rig? Mostly float lining uh, that time of year, um, just because the snappers seem to be schooling up off the bottom. So, you know, they, they can hit you if we're fishing in 80 metres of water. Sometimes we'll get them, you know, on the way down 40, 50 metres down. So that's 30 metres off the bottom. So we just sort of just, you know, run a ball sinker, exactly what we're saying before, just on the current conditions, what size you use, and then just let it float down. And, um, you know, and hopefully you get hit on the way down. So, but oh, the snapper fishery out off the Gold Coast these days is is really good. It's better than I reckon it's ever been with numbers and size-wise. And that's saying something there, Gav, because, you know, a, a lot of locals and people who just travel wanting to catch snapper, whether they're off Sydney or, or Coffs Harbour, which is a great fishery, uh, and, you know, off the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast... We, we have, you know, three quarters of a million people basically you know, living around here, plus the tourism when it's on. So it, it, it's a heavily hit area. It's a city water that you're fishing, but the fish is still there. What, what is it so? Because we, we've got the highest amount of registered boats per capita in the southern hemisphere. We've got over 270,000 registered boats on the sunny coast of the Gold Coast. Mate, that's a large number. And you've seen it on days when it's dead calm that people are still out there in their droves targeting fish. Do you have to change your way to target the snapper, given that they are in numbers during the certain times of the year? Um, yeah, you have to sort of just sort of spread out a little bit, find your own little bits and pieces, you know. So, you know, obviously there's spots where, you know, everybody goes to. So you just try to move away from that little bit of congestion and just try to find your, you know, and just keep moving around is the key to your find your little schools of snapper, you know. So, but sometimes the, sca- the snapper are just school up that much, you know. It doesn't matter if there's 10 boats there, 15 boats, you'll still catch them. Bit of current stirs them up, makes them more hungry, and, you know, everybody's getting into them. It's just like the marlin these days. The marlins, you know, they're, they're just better than they've ever been, really, off the Gold Coast as well. You know, the fishing just seems to be getting better. You do have your quiet days, and, you know, that's fishing, but isn't it? It is, mate, absolutely. And it, I guess us growing up was always off cans. Cans was the the ultimate in-game fishery because, you know, not just the 1,000-pound marlin, but also you know, just marlin fishery and sport fishing in general. But we have that here. We, we, it's getting better here, as you say. And we also have the seamounts that attract a whole variety or plethora of fish, including the, the shallower seamounts off Tweed Heads that, that see some good fishing and up off Point Lookout. So we do have that, that highway between one spot to another. They, these fish travel in. And if you can meet That's them right. along the way, you're, you're in for a, a very good day. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, we've got a lot of ground out there, you know, and just like I said, the fishing, you know, is just, I reckon it's been better than it's ever been, you know, just like, you know, me and you have been here for a long time and, you know, yeah, we used to catch fish there, but I'm seeing better size fish in the snapper and, and the marlin and stuff like that, you know, and plenty more. But a lot of people are releasing fish, you know, the bag limits have come down. So that's also always good, you know, so... Do you think it's a, a uh, you know, the size limit, um, increased size limit, lower bag limit? Is that something, I mean, you know, we brought the bag limits in uh, you know, 15 odd years ago. Is that something that you think should be, we should be looking at or just keeping it as is now because it seems to be working? Yeah, I think keep it as is. Yep. You know, snapper, you know, like, you know, it used to be, I think it was 30 back in the in the day, a long, long, long time ago. But, you know, since I've been in the game, I think it was 10 per person were always allowed. Yeah. And, um, you know, 10, 10's a lot of fish, you know, especially if you're, you know, you know, taking 10 snapper with, you know, everybody doing it. Um, I, I think four is a good number. Five would be better, I think, you know, but that doesn't matter. One fish is, you know, but yeah. I reckon they've, they've done a pretty good job of it all. You know, I'm not, I'm not really happy about the closure because I don't think that does a lot, mm. um, you know, because, you know, the fish are going to be still there before or after it anyway so I, I don't think that's a that's a you know a necessary but that that's what the rule is so you have to abide by it when does the snapper closure come into play mate and what is it uh, what's the effort for it is it for the during the speeds that month of spawning yeah they're saying it's spawning but yeah they oh, I'm not 100% sure how good the the research was on that but 15th of July to the 16th of August so you know it's a solid 4 weeks and unfortunately that was our you know that's our busiest time where sort of last year we saw our charters drop off just because of that you know because a lot of people want to see our snapper but as soon as the snapper season's open you know after 16th of july you know all the people are coming coming there but unfortunately you just lose them you know a fair few charters through that closing time but you know what can you do what's the biggest snapper you've landed on sea probe um i think it was i was the decky at the time um and I think Casey, you'd remember yeah. Casey. Yeah. Uh, it was twelve and a half kilos cleaned. Yeah, that's a clean. That's a big. So we're talking a uh, big kilo and a bit. So probably a fourteen kilo fish. It, it would have been up there. It was a big fish, and we caught two that day. It was twelve and a half, and it was ten and a half cleaned. Yeah, they were big fish up at the cathedral area up at North Stratty. Yeah, was, um... mate. Um, at, tell, talk to me about the bar crossings here. Okay, now people who charge over the seaway, you know, or the jump in, they're, they're they're belting out. What is it you should be looking at when you are heading out to sea on a coastal bar? Yep, obviously the outgoing the tide. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Outgoing. You know, if you're going out, like going out to sea, you know, outgoing tides can make it rough because there's so much volume of water heading out and pushing against the sea coming in. That can make it very uncomfortable. And obviously, you know, if there's a bit of swell on that, will make it even worse. Um, and you just sort of, you know, you're trying to avoid all the white water, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, if there is a fair bit of swell on, you know, there's always another day for fishing, isn't there? You know, so, but, you know, you're just looking for that opening, you know, don't just rush out, always pull up to the bar, have a good search around looking for the, you know, the clear patch of water where it's not breaking and then, you know, then power on and, and, um, get out there. But you obviously just take it easy. Then coming back in. You know, you're always obviously, you know, you're looking for that breaking water again, but you never, 
go over a breaking wave, you always just sit on the back of a wave and just ride the back of the wave in and just always keeping an eye on behind you as well, just so, you know, the wave behind you doesn't catch you on, catch up on you as well. And that's a good thing for, for the privateers out there is to make sure you've got plenty of power. I always say, don't underpower your boat. Always put the maximum amount of power that your boat is legally allowed to take. So if you've got a boat yes. that's allowed to take 200 horsepower, put a 200 on it. Don't don't yep. don't skimp and save because realistically, it's only a maybe a thousand dollars or a little less or a little more to go from a, a one thirty up to a two hundred. Okay, and if you've yep. got a one thirty on, yeah, okay, you can put it on. But you got to think if you've got a, a an esky full of ice and fish, you've got a couple of the blokes who've decided to sit down the back instead of being up the front. You know, the last thing is that you don't want to get caught in one of those holes that a wave actually does catch you because that'll quickly dump into your boat and you know it's, That's right. it's, it's end of day. Yep, yep. And always, you know, if, if you're in a smaller boat, I, I would recommend to put life jackets on, especially with kids and stuff, you know. But, um, you know, but that's not legal up here, but, you know, you should always keep that in consideration. But if it's if it looks too dodgy, there's, you know, leave it for another day. Totally agree with you. Mate, fishing gear, what sort of gear do you like to run? On a charter boat, it gets absolutely hammered, okay? The, the client goes out there, some know what they're doing, a lot don't, and they just, uh, you know, the reels are just jammed in the gear, whether they're dropping down an overhead or spin. What's your favourite sort of gear that you've worked out that is value for money? Uh, for us is the uh, pen spin fishers. You know, you, you get a good time out of them. You know, you get a good, you know, few months, six months of quality sort of time. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the salt just corrodes everything and, you know, catching fish, the drag gets worn out. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we just sort of just keep replacing them. You know, it's hard to find, you know, just getting trashed all the time on the chart. Yeah. It's always in the salt conditions, you know, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't, it's just not gentle. It doesn't get, you know, nicely. It's not like your own rod and reel. It gets bashed around, you know, so, but no pens have been really good for us. You know, the Shimano gear can be okay, you know, for the trolling scene. Um, I use overheads. The turn losses are quite good on the Shimanos, but for our float lining and stuff, we use pens, um, yeah, then a lot of people bring their own gear as well, you know. So I see a lot of different gear. You know, it's always nice to have that really expensive gear, but you know, sometimes you know one goes over the side, and you know. Oh, so. Mate, and that's the thing is when you say six months, people got to understand six months on a on a charter boat is probably equivalent to five or ten years on a private boat. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I should have explained that. Yeah. People got to be they're yeah. going to go. What the shit? I'm sitting back. I'm going to get six months out of this rod and reel. That's not really cool fun. But yeah, no charter fishing to to recreational fishing is uh, multiplied by ten at least. Yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes we get twelve months out of them, but six months, you know, and the time you start replacing bits and pieces for us as a you know commercial yeah. vessel, it's better off just go buy a new one and you start fresh again. Yeah, yeah, and and clients appreciate that. They don't want to get out in the boat and know that the bail arm is 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 unhooking and broken and the roll and the handles all loose so you want to make sure that you're paying for what you're getting and that's the good thing that you do mate um yeah. and all of the gear there of course people if you want to get a good uh, pen spin fisher jump jump on down to your local anaconda store they've got great deals on all the uh, pen spin fish again of course the overhead uh range there if you want to troll with shimano mate um when it comes to seasickness this is something that a lot of people ask me about they say birdie what's what's the go with seasickness how can i overcome it um for me I, i've got I just think quells. Quells yeah, okay. and some milk half an hour before you go out. Don't have a big greasy breakfast. But what are your thoughts? What do you tell your customers? Um, I try to say, you know, 
don't have a big night the night before. <laughs> Most of them on holidays, mate. They're out, you know, the, they're out on the turps. <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone gets too excited sometimes, you know, or first thing in the morning, they're like, yeah, you know, they're all pumped and, you know, they're cracking beers. It's like, oh, it's a bit early for that. <laughs> but, you know, so, but, you know, some people it doesn't affect. So, but, but, you know, I normally say travel calm or quells. They're both sort of, they've got the same ingredients. And, you know, we say take a couple the night before. Then when you get up in the morning, take another one as yeah. soon you know before you get on the boat so as soon as you get up in the morning take another just so it's all in your system and you know it's, it's doing what it's you know supposed to do and um yeah, and just like you said don't have a big greasy breakfast you know just just try to have something simple you know um then you know hopefully you should be right for the rest of the day and if you you're, you're all good you could maybe take one later on in the day if you know if not you don't need it you, you're all sweet to go Mate, there are people from the West Coast and southern parts of Australia, Northern Territory, who are listening to this. Mate, if they've got a charter boat in their area, what is it that they should be looking for in a boat itself, okay? Or what questions should they ask if they're going to go fishing? If they're coming to the Gold Coast, look up and, of course, book in with Sea Pro. But if they're in their neck of the woods are thinking, you know what, it's good weather, I'm just going to uh, go down. Flights aren't allowed us to go to different states because of COVID, but yep. you know, we want to go somewhere what sort of questions should they be asking their companies locally? Um, pretty much what kind of fish they'll be targeting. Um, that's, you know, it depends if you want to, you know, what you want to target mostly. Um, they should be able to tell you what they've been catching. Um, and also, you know, how long is it taking to get to the spot? Are you catching fresh bait? You know, you're using live bait. Just so you know what you're getting yourself in for, um, you know, and just, yeah, and, you know, if you want to bring your own rod and reel, that kind of stuff. But mostly just ask, you know, what you've been catching, you know, and what, you know, what size the fish you've been catching. Yeah, just stuff like that, just simple stuff. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're just telling you what they've caught the day before or, or the last time they were out, you know, so they're not, you know, hopefully they won't tell you any fibs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but most of the time, you know, the customer, you know, they're very honest. So, and yeah, just, you know, see what they've been catching, look on their Facebook sites, you know, for the recent catches and yep. yeah, just sort of, you know, follow them a little bit and see what they're catching and even go down to the dock a couple of days before if you want and have a chat to them. And you want a boat you'd want, again, to have good deck space, I'd imagine. You don't want to go out there if there's, you know, 15 people on a boat that you can literally put a bathtub on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, you don't want to go out when there's 12 or 15, like like you're saying, and, you know, and just go, you know, just out the front of the seaway or, or front of the entrance and, you know, and you want to spend – Normal, you know, half a day is sometimes okay, but sometimes you want to put the full day effort into. If you're really keen, you know, you, you need to go, you need to travel these days to get to the good spots. That's it. And I've always had that analogy is that, you know, poor man pays twice, okay? And and look, I've paid twice a thousand times, trust me. But it's something yeah. that you, you live and learn from mistakes and experience. And experience grows from, from making mistakes. That a half day is a good thing. If you're time poor, then a half day is a great way to do a charter. But like you said, if you wanted to go for the full experience, keep that day free. If you're up here on holidays or if you're, you're local or whatever you are and you're going fishing on a charter boat, is to try and do the full day and understand that that's going to be the better option. One, you get the distance where you need to be. Two, you're spending the time to get the tide changes and you can try yep. different methods to target different fish. That's right. And sometimes, you know, the fish aren't in the same spot as yesterday. So you've got to keep just moving around, moving around till you find them. Then, you know, then, you know, if it was a half day, you're sort of there, you're there. Then it's like, oh, we've got to go now, you know. It's sort of, well, you've got that extra time to do everything. You catch your live bait. You know, everything just takes time. 
you know. Just like you're saying, you've got to wait for the tides, you've got to get the bait, you know. So there's a lot what sort of goes into it. And if you're wanting that trophy fish, you know, you need to spend that little bit of extra time sometimes. Yep, I totally agree with you. Hey, Gav, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Greatly appreciate it. And, uh, mate, you have to be out there soon, no doubt, when the weather clears up, you can get out there and wet a line. You must be itching for it. Do you love fishing yourself? I love fishing. I do, but I do like seeing people catch fish these days, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, I just don't get a lot of time to fish myself because, you know, you're always flat out doing stuff. When, and, and when the weather's bad, you know, you can't do much anyway, unfortunately. Nice. So, but no, I, I just, you know, have always loved it. And it's always just good seeing people catch that trophy fish or they haven't caught a fish before. And, you know, that, that's what it's all about for us. So right. it's, it's always good to see. It's a, it's a great, it's a great an, um, answer. Good response there because I, I've been out on a few boats there that uh, you generally see the skipper jump off the fly deck to land on the rod when it's going off. And uh, good old rod grabber, you don't even get to catch the fish because old mate's already caught it for you. But, mate, and you can't even touch the rod. But, uh, mate, that's that's for another chat another day. Gav, Sea Probe Charters, thank you very much again, mate. And uh, anyone heading up to the Gold Coast, make sure you give Gavin a call. Gavin Woodbury from, of course, the coast's leading charter operation being Sea Probe Charters, been in the industry for over 20-odd years. And the beauty of it, it's family-owned and operated by his mum and dad as well, Barry and Kathy. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time, pal. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you later. Good on you, mate. Well, there you have it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Step Outside with Paul Burt, our podcast featuring Gavin Woodbury from Sea Probe Charters. Well, take it easy, everybody. Until next time, as we always say, may your rod bend off. <laughs> <laughs>